but they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. I got baptized in uh, Lake Minnetonka. I uh, hit a couple backflips. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. My swag was having no swag. His focus is on Minnesota. He is going there to get this job that makes this different. And everyone that I talk to, whether they be around Ann Arbor, agents in the NFL that I talk to, they all expect that if the Minnesota Vikings offer Jim Harbaugh this job, he will take it. A big statement there coming from Mark Webb of 24-7 Sports there. Uh, He did a hit on the Dan Patrick Show earlier today where he said that statement, of course, covering 24-7 Sports for um, Michigan. He covers the Wolverines, has some connections, and he was on the Dan Patrick Show earlier today talking about that as really things are heating up and, and things have changed even from yesterday when we last did the podcast. And that's really that this looks like it's coming down now to a two-horse race for the Minnesota Vikings head coaching job. Uh, D'Amico Ryan's bowed out. Um, uh, uh, Graham, uh, I'm blanking on his first name. For whatever reason, I want to say like Billy Graham. Um, Franklin uh, Graham is another one that jumps into my head. Uh, the right, the right name will come to me here. But I think um, with all of this, with uh, bringing him in for the interviews, um, I, I now they did meet with Graham nine hours today. But it looks like this is coming down to be a two horse race between Jim Harbaugh and Kevin O'Connell. And Harbaugh is coming in for that interview tomorrow on Wednesday, and it's in Minnesota. Uh, Originally, the Vikings were going to fly out to Ann Arbor. He's coming to Minnesota, and based on reports from Ian Rappaport of NFL Network, it sounds like he wants this job, that he's coming in, he's trying to make his case for why he should be hired. Now, normally in the NFL, it kind of works like, uh, you know, the NFL teams really want you and they're trying to sell you on your team. It kind of feels like once you get down to the front runner phase, but this is a potential front runner that really has to sell himself to the Minnesota Vikings organization in Jim Harbaugh. He's coming in with the intention of getting this job. He wants the Vikings to offer him a contract tomorrow. The Vikings still are are a little split. This is according to reports from Darren Wolfson of KSTP Sports. Says that, well, he's Kwese Adolfo Mensa's pick, and the Wolves do uh, like to make a splash that uh, the Vikings front office isn't exactly 100% on Harbaugh. That could change with a meeting uh, with an interview tomorrow. Um, he's just got to prove some things to the organization, and there are some real questions that when it comes to how his tenure in San Francisco ended. But I think let's just kind of spitball here um, on the Minnesota Vikings and on this uh, here debate for Jim Harbaugh. And I don't know, as those of you who have listened to the podcast here the last couple weeks, you know that I am really not on the Jim Harbaugh train. I really am not. Uh, I think that you still probably go with a guy in O'Connell. I would have been okay with a guy like Raheem Morris. Um, Don't know a lot about Graham. um, But again, uh, I I think that there is a risk in hiring Harbaugh. For the cases that we talked about on the podcast yesterday, you can go here, uh, you can go there and hear me talk about that in depth. Basically, he has a short shelf life, and he has that reputation of wearing people thin and uh that that's something that 
you know, showed in his time. He made the NFC Championship game three out of four seasons in San Francisco, but it was the one time he didn't, and the one time he didn't make the playoffs, that he was already out of there, and felt like he was already going to be out of there halfway through the season. So, way back in 2015. So, I, I just, when I look at the Jim Harbaugh situation, I think, I mean... Let's start with the cons, because we talked about those a little bit yesterday. I just think that I'm a little nervous to bring in Jim Harbaugh to be the next head coach. He's obviously going to demand a high price tag. I thought initially he would want more control over the 53-man roster, but hearing some reporting at the time of when Harbaugh was fired, he really didn't want roster control in San Francisco. Um... So, and maybe that could change. We don't know, but we'll see what happens there. I don't know if he does want control over the 53-man roster or not, or at least uh, have a much bigger say than a head coach normally gets. Um, I know that with Jim Harbaugh, there's a lot of questions of how his time ended in San Francisco, how uh, basically with Trent Baalke, now you could chalk it up to Trent Baalke being a tough guy to deal with, that Jim Harbaugh and Trent Baalke were essentially the same person, nose-of-the-grindstone football guys who just kind of got in each other's way. And maybe a guy like Kwese Adolfo Mensa, who's a more collaborative guy, who's somebody who doesn't exactly mesh with Harbaugh personality-wise, like at least kind of on their personality traits. Um, you know, it could be a guy, maybe that partnership would work. Kwese Adolfo Mensha did work in San Francisco uh, in Harbaugh's last couple of years. How much work did he actually uh, do with Harbaugh or how much of a connection is there? That remains to be seen. We still don't know a ton about that, but we do know that Harbaugh is Kwese's number one pick. It's Harbaugh, O'Connell, and Graham. They are all three in that mix. But I just have some trepidations. I have some trepidations about how the roster is going to react to Jim Harbaugh because Mike Zimmer was just ran out of town because he rubbed people the wrong way. He got under people's skin. He was just in their face all the time screaming, you know, that thing Brian O'Neill said of a guy putting your arm around you and saying, hey, how's it been? Um, you know, how, how's your day been lately? How is the family? How are the kids? That kind of thing um, is, you know, and that, that was my big trepidation with Jim Harbaugh. I will say that that did get rectified a little bit. Um, there's a great, uh, if you go listen to uh, Score North's podcast, uh, I believe it's Purple Daily, Alex Boone sat down. He, of course, played for Jim Harbaugh for a majority of his career, also played for Mike Zimmer for a season and a training camp. So there's like some stuff there that he compares the two. He talks about Jim Harbaugh, and Jim Harbaugh really was a player's coach. He was that guy who would say, how are the kids? How are you doing? He's kind of quirky. He was doing all this kind of stuff, and um, obviously more of an offensive background as well. I still think Harbaugh does wear on guys, because even at the end, uh, Alex Boone did say at the time in Real Time Sports with Greg Gumbel on HBO that Harbaugh was a psycho. Of course, he meant that in a lighthearted way, but he did acknowledge that uh, he did kind of wear out his welcome towards the end. Now, Boone says in this podcast that it's more on bulky, and he really throws uh, kind of the shade that way, and I think there's some truth to that, and I think I don't think Boone has anything to gain uh, by going on here talking about Harbaugh. I think he genuinely likes Harbaugh, which is a good thing uh, in terms of players. And But also, Harbaugh and Boone feel like they mesh really, really well. If you remember Alex Boone from his time here in Minnesota, if you've ever heard him do various podcasts, he's great. Love Alex Boone. Love to have him on the podcast someday. If you're listening, Alex, give me a call sometime. All right, uh, but 
I think basically said he's more of a player's coach than people give him credit for. He's abrasive to the media, but that's because that's just kind of his shtick. But when it comes to the players, he was encouraging them to bring their families in on Saturdays, was encouraging them, you know, to not have to come in at 5 a.m., come in a little bit later, spend time with the wife and kids when they get up and go to school in the morning or when they wake up and have breakfast, do all that kind of stuff, like be a family. Um, and that's something that I feel like would be a change of pace. And I feel like if you can blend Adolfo Mensa's collaborative vision with the nose of the grindstone uh, vision of Harbaugh, there's some there's some ways to make it work. Also, according to Darren Wolfson, by the way, uh, that Harbaugh likes Kirk Cousins. And this is the one thing, because there was always report of him going to Miami. Of course, the Miami owner is a Michigan man. He wanted to get Harbaugh um, if he's going to leave, but they have a better roster. I think the Dolphins have a better roster. But the Minnesota Vikings have a better quarterback, and you know me, I'm not the biggest Kirk Cousins guy on this podcast, but he is better than Tua, and a quarterback with the ability of Cousins does intrigue Harbaugh, apparently. This is according to Wolfson. So, and I mean, remember what he did with Alex Smith. Alex Smith was a dumpster fire of a quarterback. I know we call him Captain Checkdown and all that kind of stuff, but the truth is he was a very good, very efficient quarterback towards the second half of his career. But that got jump-started with Jim Harbaugh figuring out what worked for him and kind of getting him to come out and do all this stuff. Now, is he going to turn Cousins around? into a MVP-level quarterback, I have my doubts. But can he at least work with Cousins in a way Mike Zimmer never could and never wanted to do? Yeah, 100%. So that'd be something interesting. Now, of course, do you extend Kirk? Do you just keep him for a year? What do you do with that? That's a question for a later date. But it sounds like he likes Cousins. So for Vikings fans who think that they're going to just trade him on a whim once they bring him in, not so fast. Now, that could change. Obviously, this is all kind of me getting secondhand reporting from people who are getting sources who have sources. So uh, take it with a grain of salt. But I think there is a way to make it work with Harbaugh um, in his way to get the offensive going. The offensive line is some pieces in place. Um, three of the five offensive linemen seem like they're starter worthy when you think of Ezra Cleveland at left guard, when you think of Christian Derrissaw at left tackle, and when you think of, uh, when you think of Brian O'Neill at right tackle. They have some pieces in there. To be a decent O-line, Harbaugh does like to run the ball, so you get a lot of use of Delvin Cook, Alexander Madison, Kenneda Wongwu, um, but he's not afraid to pass the ball either. Kind of more of that RPO, uh, maybe not RPO is the right word for it, but kind of that big, complicated playbook kind of style that Harbaugh likes to do. Multiple looks, multiple motion, kind of whatever. Harbaugh's built that reputation as the quarterback whisperer. Uh, when you look at the, what he did with Alex Smith, when you look at what he did with Colin Kaepernick, um, never able to find that success at Michigan, but college quarterbacks are a different animal uh, than in the NFL. Um, but I think if you look at a Jim Harbaugh coach team, there's a blueprint there. And I know this isn't how you should look at building a football team, but who knows what Aaron Rodgers is going to do in the NFC North. When you compare it to Miami, who again, they have the better roster, but they don't have a better quarterback. And by the way, they play Josh Allen, Mac Jones, and the, I mean, the New York Jets are there. But so, like, at best, they're third place. Like, if you're just thinking off the top of your head, at best, third place in that division is Miami. And the AFC is a slog. I mean, if it's not Allen, it's Mahomes, it's Burrow, it's Herbert. There's a bunch of quarterbacks in that AFC that make it brutal. But in the NFC, there's a pathway there. There is a pathway to uh, doing some good stuff and being able to make some runs. Now, obviously, you just need to look at the long-term uh, viability of the football team. But if you're bringing in Jim Harbaugh, you're not bringing him in because you want to do a, uh, a two-year rebuild. And in 2024, oh boy, we're going to be lighting everybody up. No, 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 no. 
He's coming in is Jim Harbaugh to win right now. Jim Harbaugh's 58 years old. He wants to win a Super Bowl. This thing in Minnesota doesn't last more than five years. And keep in mind, Mike Zimmer was here for eight, but there was a good chance to get rid of him after five or six. Head coaches in the NFL don't have a particularly long shelf life. It's just how messy is that divorce going to be? And for Jim Harbaugh, it could get messy. But are you willing to hop on the? Are you willing to buy the ticket and hop on that ride? Kwesi Adolfo Mensa is. The Wilfs probably would like to make a spark and get them to compete. Minnesota Vikings Twitter is buzzing about Jim Harbaugh, buzzing about Jim Harbaugh. Uh, but again, uh, I I think there's a lot of things you can do to make it work. I also think with Jim Harbaugh. Again, it's what did he do to get out of San Francisco? How did that end up? And he's got to convince some people in the Vikings organization, according to all these reports, that he's learned from that, that he's learned from his experiences in San Francisco, that he's a better head coach, all that good stuff, more experience, yada, yada, yada. He's got some questions to answer. He's got some stuff he's got to prove to some Vikings brass, but I don't know. It it feels like it's going in that direction, but also at the same time, Kevin O'Connell had a great interview. He was on the shortlist. They talked to Graham for nine hours today. Nine hours. Could you imagine a nine-hour interview? Now, like, I interviewed for some jobs. They didn't take longer than 45 minutes. They don't take long. Now, granted, there's a lot more big questions, and this is a job that is a lot more prestigious and higher paying and obviously important, so there's a lot of you know, obviously you're talking about the roster, you're talking about who your coordinators are, you're talking about the vision, you're talking about X and Y and everything, then you break for lunch and you do all this kind of stuff. So I, I really think that it's not as over as everybody seems to make it out to be. I think it has the very high potential to be. But don't be surprised if Harbaugh does leave tomorrow without a contract offer. And by the way, if they go through this whole week, if we're sitting here on Friday and we don't know who the Minnesota Vikings head coach is going to be, it's Kevin O'Connell. It's with the Rams because he's there. He's doing his stuff, with getting ready for the Super Bowl, and the Vikings will have to wait till February was it, 14th to be able to get their hands on uh, Kevin O'Connell and have him start. Uh, I mean, he's probably already building out his staff technically, uh, but get him in the building, get all that working. I don't know what to think of Jim Harbaugh. I really don't. I My gut instinct tells me that this has the potential to fizzle and flop and be something that in two years he's gone and they're starting over from zero and could potentially bring Adolfo Mensa down with him. But at the same time, it could be a spark to a Minnesota Vikings franchise for a quick rebuild. Um, it could be, and is a quick rebuild the right option? Personally, I'm leaning against no, but I mean, there's still a lot of talent on this roster, and if you're not willing to trade them, um, it's going to, I mean, you got to do something with them, and the division's open for the taking, especially if Aaron Rodgers isn't in Green Bay. He'll still be in Green Bay if, it, if I'm, my gut level says he's still in Green Bay. That could change, but still. Um, Harbaugh could be a spark. He could get the most out of Cousins. He could be a fresh new voice in the building that turns everybody around. He has a winning background. If the players buy in, there could be a lot of stuff. I mean, San Francisco was a very quick turnaround. San Francisco was not a good football team before Jim Harbaugh hopped in and took it over, at least that they didn't show that they were a good football team. And if you look at the 49ers' record um, in 20. Let's go. He had the first job in 2011, so let's go 2010. Jim Harbaugh is at uh, 
San or Jim Harbaugh right before he came to San Francisco, they were six and ten, and they were much better. By the way, let's Forty uh, ers record uh, in two thousand nine. 49ers record in 2009, they were 8-8. Eight and eight. 49ers record in 2008, uh, they were 7-9. and nine. So they were not, I mean, they were they were kind of where the Vikings are. They were stuck in mediocrity. Now, maybe the pieces are different here and there, but uh, if you're the Vikings, you think Jim Harbaugh can help you win right away. And the Wilfs, we know, would be inclined to try and win more, especially with the amount of money they're pumping into Kirk Cousins, Adam Thielen, Delvin Cook, Eric Kendricks, Harrison Smith, etc., They'd be more willing to, they're, they're ready to push the chips in the table, even if they're not ready. They want to be a competitive football team. That's the way the Wilfs want to go. Whether that's the right decision or not is a question for the offseason. But, or once kind of this whole stuff dies down. But Jim Harbaugh looks to be the favorite. And the biggest thing with Harbaugh is just how does the locker room react and how can he develop with Adolfo Mensa? Those are the two uh, big questions just in general. The third question is, what do you do with Kirk Cousins? He probably already has a plan. Now, who knows if it's to keep him? Who knows if it's to trade him? Who knows if it's to extend him? Uh, Whatever it is. Uh, But the two biggest questions for Harbaugh is, can he win over that locker room? You have guys like Eric Kendricks. You have guys like Brian O'Neill, veteran presence in that locker room, who say, look, we don't want a guy who's going to be yelling and screaming in our faces all day. Now, granted, Mike Zimmer and Jim Harbaugh, based on hearing Alex Boone, appear to be two different kinds of screamers. Like, Harbaugh, like, he does all that. He's kooky. He's weird. But, like, he does do a better job, it seems, of of uh, of handling the players than Zimmer did. Because uh, even though Mike Zimmer, I mean, a lot of the players loved him for most of his tenure, but he still did a bunch of stuff that rubbed him the wrong way. And not in a motivational kind of way. Ways that just really turned them off, like dumping on the players in press conferences. Something that Boone says... Uh, Harbaugh uh, will really try and kind of say stuff to deflect from uh, his players. Now, if that's true or not, take all the Boone stuff with a grain of salt. It means nothing and everything at the same time. I love Alex Boone, by the way. He's great, great on podcasts, great insight, but like he's one guy. He's one guy, so we're not going to take it as gospel, but... I just think it's a he's a more different from Zimmer than I think we're giving him credit for based on how he talked. He's still not far enough away to make me feel comfortable, and that's the thing. You have to be dang sure that this is going to work out because Jim Harbaugh could fizzle out very fast if they don't win right away. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this Minnesota Vikings team, but Jim Harbaugh would be a move that would electrify the fan base in a way that Kevin O'Connell is a safe, is a safe hire, Raheem Morris is a safe hire, and uh, really, Harbaugh is the big swing, and it'll be interesting to see what the Minnesota Vikings have to do. The other question, though, is what does Harbaugh do with the Dofo Mensa? How does that relationship work? Again, we don't know really what their relationship was like in San Francisco. Obviously, it must have been good enough because even after the fallout that they had, Adolfo Mensa still wants Jim Harbaugh to come be his head coach. To be, by the way, the guy he hitches his wagon to. And so, does he think that he ha- he can handle things differently than Balky did? Does he think that you know they just that they uh, are different in personality and they can use their differences together? I don't know. Um, but another thing with Adolfo Mensa is keep in mind, he's a, he's a guy who hasn't spent 20 years in a scouting department. He's 40 years old and he's spent the last 10 years in football. 
and it's not a deep scouting background. It's more analytics, and it's more the catch-all term analytics, but it's a lot more of that stuff. He's not sitting there with a stopwatch in Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl. He's a guy who's... He's not a guy who's grinding tape all day, but he's a guy who has been challenged to do that in Cleveland. Uh, but we don't know how good he is of an evaluator. We don't know how good he is of putting together a 53-man roster. We know he seems to be good in negotiations. We know he seems to be good in all this kind of stuff. But again, when it's him and Harbaugh in a room, I mean, if it's him and O'Connell, I mean, yeah, there's young offensive minds. I think both seem bright. I think both would be good in the role. But there's something to say when you have a veteran NFL head coach coming in here with a veteran staff that he would bring. He's already putting his staff together as Harbaugh with reportedly Vic Fangio and Pep Hamilton. Vic Fangio being the defensive coordinator, Pep Hamilton being offensive coordinator. Um, Vic Fangio would be a big get for that team. But you know, just having a veteran coaching staff in the room saying, these are the players we want. We want guys who can do X, Y, and Z. We want guys who do this and that and everything. And that can really help a young Adolfo Mensa kind of get his feet wet. As he's a guy who seems like the always learning, you know, student of the game, whatever. Feels like that's Adolfo Mensa. And to have him have a veteran coach come in and show him the ropes and do all that kind of stuff really would be huge uh, for his development as well as a general manager, even if Harbaugh doesn't work out after three or four years and you have to go back and get another head coach, does Adolfo Mensa, then he has more experience running a room. He has more experience doing all this stuff. So again, this Harbaugh move is just, I could go on for a while talking about Jim Harbaugh being the next head coach of this team. Um, by the way, the buyout is like a million and a half dollars. It's nothing. You're going to have to pay Harbaugh probably close to eight to $10 million, somewhere in that range. But again, if you want my opinion on whether Jim Harbaugh is going to be the head coach, things are heating up for sure. I still wouldn't put 20 bucks on it, but I would, I am going to monitor the situation closely and I will expect that there's going to be some kind of big headline tomorrow in a press conference on Thursday or Friday. Um, like there's that gut feeling of it's trending in that way, but at the same time, just people who are in the know, like Darren Wolfson of KSTP sports, like other people say like it's pointing that way. But again, Harbaugh has to win over people in the room. So we're not going to say that he's going in there to get crowned the next head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. But if you were have to put a gun to my head and make me decide who is going to be the next head coach of the Minnesota Vikings, I said yesterday it was going to be Kevin O'Connell, and I think I'm going to have to go with Harbaugh. I think I think he's going to get in an interview. He's interviewed for head coaching jobs before. I think he's going to get in there, and he has Adolfo Mensa in his corner. I think he's going to find a way to win uh, the interview. And you know whatever you know, we talked about that winning the interview doesn't necessarily mean he's going to. Uh, prove that he's overcome those obstacles that uh, faulted him before, but it will uh, it will be interesting to see how the Vikings respond to it. So I think there's a good chance Harbaugh goes in there and he wins that interview and gets a head coaching job. If you put a gun to my head, I think Harbaugh is the next head coach. But again, I'm not like willing to bet money on it. It's just kind of that gut feeling of like signs are pointing that way. I'm not 100% sure, but at the same time, like you don't fly. To Ann, you don't fly from Ann Arbor to Minnesota to talk khakis, as Matthew Collar of Purple Insider put it. So there you go. That's our Minnesota Vikings coverage for today. We'll stay tuned here uh, as that situation develops. Looking now over to the Minnesota 
Uh, looking over here to the Minnesota Timberwolves, they're playing against the Denver Nuggets right now as we're recording this podcast up at halftime. Um, great job, them. Jokic is playing. Still have a couple guys banged up. Uh, but here's the trade deadline approaches for the NBA and the official NBA uh, trade deadline for 2022 uh, is February 10th. So it's coming up really quick. It's coming up in about nine days here. And the Minnesota Timberwolves have been aggressive on the trade front, or at least maybe aggressive is too strong for it. They've been active on the trade front, trying to get some big guys, trying to get some rebounding help. Um, again, this is according to Darren Wolfson of KSTP Sports. Uh, he wants to get that. And my biggest thing with the Minnesota Timberwolves is... Don't trade everyone. Like, I know there's an urge to get better. I know there's an urge to get that extra piece. And maybe that helps. And maybe you spring yourselves into that above the sixth seed. And you get to play. You don't have to get into the play-in tournament. And you can maybe win a series. But I just think with everything that's going on with this team, I think the way that the NBA is shaking out this year, you know you're not winning a title. You know you're not. So just play with some house money. If there's some guys on expiring deals that you want to flip, sure. But winning teams that are trying to go all in don't trade away guys with expiring contracts. So when you think about it, I I guess my what I'm trying to say is I don't think the Minnesota Timberwolves need to make any giant aggressive moves because who are you trading? You're not trading Vanderbilt after how well he's played. Are you trading McDaniels? He's also had a nice game. Are you trading Jalen Noel, Nas Reed? Who are a few of these guys? What guys do you think can be parts of your rotation for the future, and what guys are you willing to part with? And I don't really know. If I'm the Minnesota Timberwolves, I think you just keep everybody around, and you kind of go with it. You see who you want to have long-term by getting more minutes on the floor in this system. The Wolves are a 500 basketball team, and I don't think adding... Uh, you know, I don't think adding an extra forward to help with rebounding or or a guy, um, you know, just for extra depth. I don't know how much it impacts the Minnesota Timberwolves. They're not trading for a Ben Simmons. They're not trading for a Miles Turner. They're not trading for uh, John Collins. They're just not. So, and that's not a bad thing because just worry about that in the offseason. I think that's really going to be where the big Timberwolves trades come, and that's fine. You have more time to prepare. You have. Uh, you know, it's just easier to kind of build your roster because you're not in the middle of the season. But I really think that the Minnesota Timberwolves don't need to make any trades because don't give up value. Don't give up your capital in, in some of these players, especially players who are under contract for the next year or two. Keep them on your roster. Keep them on your roster. See if you want them. Trade them in the offseason if you have to. Uh, but just there's no need because they're gelling right now. They are playing about as well as they have. They're getting wins against better Western Conference teams, and even if they're not getting wins, they're looking very good against them. Outside of that dud against Golden State, they've played pretty well. Heck, they put up 69 points in the first half against Denver, and that, by the way, is without D'Angelo Russell. So it's been a a big thing for them, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves, this rotation that they have, the team that they have together. They're a small team. They're very top-heavy, but... I don't think that whatever move you can make is going to push you to the top to make you go on a serious title run. Now, I think if the the goal is to just maybe win a series, cross your fingers too, and try and make yourself an attractive destination in free agency slash the offseason, then that's different. But I guess what I'm trying to say is the Minnesota Timberwolves have a good thing going here, and I just 
feel like making a trade for the sake of making a trade or having minimal improvement while giving up the core of your team, which is kind of these young guys that you're trying to develop here who show flashes but aren't necessarily good enough to become, you know, one of the deepest teams in the NBA. So there's just a lot to go over when it comes to the Minnesota Timberwolves, and I think it's not worth giving anybody up to try and do that. But Sanchin Gupta's got to win that GM job or the president of basketball operations job. He's a guy who's in an interim basis and he wants to stick around. So he has to be aggressive. He has to do all this stuff. I understand that. But the best thing to do is to wait this out and try and figure everything out from there. All right. Well, uh, taking a look now at the Minnesota Wild here as they get ready to take on the Chicago Blackhawks here uh, tonight or tomorrow night rather. Um, I think when you look at the when you look at the landscape of the Minnesota Wild, we talked a little bit uh, about their schedule yesterday and about uh, after the All Star break, um, which is coming up this weekend. They have uh, kind of a rough go of it. Um, they play Winnipeg coming out of the All Star break on Tuesday, and then they pl- which is a tough team. Then they play Carolina, which is one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. They get a nice little easy game there against Detroit at home. But then you go on the road to play Winnipeg again, and then you also have the Florida Panthers at home. Keep in mind those two Winnipeg games, I believe, are some reschedules. So it really gives you, I mean, you're going uh, back and forth for a while there. That week where it's Monday. Wednesday, Friday games, it looks like for the um, Monday, Wednesday, fr- uh, Saturday games or whatever it is there for Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Yeah, for the Minnesota Wild uh, against two of the three teams are pretty darn good. Florida Panthers, I believe, are the best record in the Eastern Conference. Winnipeg is another good Western team. And the Detroit, while they're not a playoff team, they certainly have been better than in recent years. So this is a tough stretch for the Minnesota Wild. Coming out of the All-Star break will be nice to kind of recharge. Um, they're playing well right now. Uh, but keep in mind, uh, I don't think, you know, getting a week off, like remember when I said about a month ago when they had that big week off due to COVID and I said, this is actually a good thing for the wild because they can kind of reset and recharge. I think it'll be good in that aspect. It won't be as vital as it was a month ago, but it's not like I think this team is going to get cold. Like that this is a streaky team. And that's the biggest point about the Minnesota wild. I wanted to make today is that the Minnesota wild are not streaky in years past. They were streaky. Outside of 2017, which was a legitimately good season that they choked. But when you look at playoff teams in the past, and even last year you could say it, they just kind of got streaky. They won a bunch of games, lost a bunch of games, and that's kind of been their M.O. over the last 10 years is that when they're hot, they can beat anybody in the NHL, and when they're off, they can lose to anyone badly. And this Minnesota team is more calm, cool, and collective. And it's not like I've said before where with some teams where it's like you want to get more in the middle and you sacrifice the highs to get rid of the lows. This is a team that ceiling hasn't changed. It's just that they've raised the floor on their franchise. And that's something that's been really refreshing to see out of a Minnesota sports team. Even though they have a tough stretch here coming up post all-star break, they still have a great opportunity to win games. And there's no game where I look at the Minnesota wild and don't think whether it's home on the road, doesn't matter who they're playing. You just look at them and say, they're going to win that game. They're going to win that hockey game. So it's, uh, again, just a nice change of pace compared uh, to the, the, just the way that things were done before. And it's a great testament to Bill Gurren and the roster he's building and Dean Evison and the coaching job he's done. Just everything the Minnesota Wild have done is coming together here. Um, we'll see what they do in the trade deadline. Again, the NHL trade deadline um, coming up here as well because uh, 
looking at the trade deadline here, the official date for that is March 21st. That's another month and change away, but things could heat up uh, over the course as well, especially with the All-Star break gives teams a chance to kind of maybe talk with each other just a little bit more of everybody get kind of healthy here. Well, all right, that's going to do it for us here on this Tuesday, the 1st of February here on the Minnesota Sports Podcast. We'll keep an eye on that Jim Harbaugh situation and see if we might have to do an emergency podcast for Harbaugh becoming the next head coach. We'll have to see all that coming up here on the Minnesota Sports Podcast. Stay tuned this week. Thanks for listening to the Minnesota Sports Podcast. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Be sure to leave a five-star review and share the podcast on social media to help spread the word.